I actually wrote my master's paper uh, thesis, and the and the hypothesis of my paper was that online learning is bad for education. Um, <laughs> I wrote an entire paper on that. That was the premise of the paper. Then I did research on it and to find out if my premise was true. And what I found out was through the research, and I, I definitely have confirmed over the last 13 or 14 years that I've been working in online education is that sometimes that's true. Um, sometimes it's true that online learning is significantly less educationally beneficial for a, a student. And sometimes it's absolutely exactly what they need. And when I did my research, the, the deciding variable or factor that most contributed one way or the other was how involved and how connected students are with their teachers. Hello, and welcome to You Matter Here, our Minnesota Transitions Charter School podcast, where we elevate the voices of our people, dig deeper into our big ideas, and explore how we show up for ourselves and each other in order to make magic happen. I am your host, Wendy Lorenz Walraven, the Director of Equity and Diversity here at MTCS. My hope is that as we spend time together, we will have an opportunity to explore three key questions. Who am I? Who are we? And who are we to each other? As it is the intersection of these questions that informs the assumptions we make, drives our behavior, and impacts our relationships with ourselves and with others. Welcome back to You Matter Here, our Minnesota Transitions Charter School podcast. Today, I am joined by two special guests who are integral in the functioning of Minnesota Virtual Schools, one of our seven programs within MTCS that has been around for over 20 years. Our episodes thus far have hopefully highlighted some of the many ways in which we aim to meet young people where they are and walk alongside them as they build dreams of their, of their future. One of the ways we do this is by offering online schooling, and I have Bill Glenns and Lorelei Lorenz from Minnesota Virtual Schools joining me in the studio today. Thank you so much for being here. Yeah, well, I'm happy to be here. Thanks for the invite. So Bill Glenns is the principal of Minnesota Virtual Schools and has been with MTCS for 23 years. He came to us as a social studies teacher, was the principal at MTS Secondary, and has been the principal for Minnesota Virtual Schools for the last 13 years. Lorelai Lorenz is the program coordinator of supplemental and part-time students and a student support specialist. We are celebrating 13 years of service with Lorelai this year. Um, again, I can't uh, thank you both enough for being willing to just share parts of your story um, with us today so that we can get to know you a little bit more as individuals, as who you are, um, and certainly the gifts that you bring into our community. So this first question is really for both of you, um, and it's really about sort of how and why did you decide to join our MTCS community? So you talked a little bit about that, but if you could expand, that would be great. Bill. I, I go first. Um, yeah. So originally I was part of MTCS as a teacher. I came here in, in 1999, actually, um, as a social studies teacher. I worked at our high school program and um, was relatively kind of a small program. Um, and enjoyed that for a few years. And then eventually uh, there was a opportunity. MTS split its high school from one program into two. And there was a opportunity to 
they need another administrator. So they asked me to interview and I did and um, moved into that role um, and then been in various administrative type roles uh, since then. I think it was about 2004 when I made that switch. And, you know, in terms of why, why I came here, I think I was really intrigued by the idea of charter school. Charter schools were relatively new um, to, to the state and to the country at that point. I was a teacher at um, traditional school. Uh, you know, Eden Prairie High School was the last place I, I worked before I came here. And I really liked the idea of working with disadvantaged children, to be honest. Um, that was uh, something I'd done in various capacities before I was a teacher. I worked in residential treatment and a couple other places uh, with, with youth. And I really liked that. I felt like I had, had a lot of passion um, for working with that student population. And so when the opportunity to teach uh, students who needed a little bit of everything, uh, it kind of resonated with me. And so I wanted to try it, and I've stuck with it ever since. How about you, Lorelai? Um, so I was um, somewhere in between that. Um, I came in um, when I was, when I started with MTS um, in 2013 is when I took over the supplemental program. Um, I just loved the uniqueness of what it offers to students. Um, I love the staff. I love the um, option of forever growing. What can we do better? What can we do more? And I've been doing that um, ever since 2013. And I have met and discovered lots of different reasons why this program is needed for many mm -hmm. students. Yeah, would you talk a little bit about, about that specifically? Sort of why do students choose to come to Minnesota Virtual Schools? So um, some of the reasons, there's a lot of reasons. It's all the way from... Um, the spectrum is huge. So we'll get students who um, want to try it out, and they're very successful, but there are also individual needs. Um, I had a student, she had um, narcolepsy, and she was at school, and she, a uh, super awesome girl, she was um, struggling because she was always getting C's and D's. She knew her potential was bigger. Her parents decided to enroll um, her in the supplemental program, and as soon as um, she was able to let her body sleep the way she needed, all of a sudden she was getting A's and B's and then eventually A's, and wow. she graduated. I mean, she was just elated. Her parents were elated. They were just so appreciative of the supplemental program. So the fact that she was able to still stay within her um, high school and graduate with her class if that's what they choose to do, but still have um, half of their classes taking online with us through the supplemental program. She was able to um, let those needs be met so that she could be her best academically. Yeah, which sometimes requires just something totally different, right? Completely or different. just a different schedule, different opportunities, different kinds of support, mm -hmm. um, different spaces to be able to learn in. Um, could you talk a little bit about sort of how the how the supplemental type part-time program works? You mentioned a little bit being able to do some uh, online and some in a is it in the, the in a high school or a school that they might already be attending? Yes, so um, students will um, be attending physically attending their traditional uh, brick and mortar school. 
they then have the choice to take one, two, or three, depending on what their full load schedule is. They're able to take half of their classes with us online. So um, they can choose an elective, a core class. Um, there's remedial, there's honors classes, there's specific, unique classes that will um, mold them into the career path that they're looking for. Um, so there's a very broad uh, range. Every, every class that we offer, they're able to they're also able to take with us. Hmm. Bill, could you talk a little bit more too about sort of, sort of especially as your your time at at virtual, um, and when you see sort of the needs of, of kids and why they're choosing to come to you or, the, or you know talking to the parents, have you seen are there are there themes that sort of come up? Has that need really shifted over the span of time? I'm just going to ask you a bunch of <laughs> bunch of questions and yeah. maybe give you time to answer them. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of why students come and, and if that's changed, I mean, I think definitely um, the world of education never stops changing. And I think that student, when I, f we've, when I first went to virtual, I, I should mention too, um, when I was a administrator and a teacher in a traditional schools and I, and I did my master's degree, actually, one of the things that I, and I tell people is I actually wrote my master's paper uh, thesis and the, and the hypothesis of my paper was that online learning is bad for education. Um, <laughs> I wrote an entire paper on that. That was the premise of the paper. Then I did research on it and to find out if my premise was true. And what I found out was through the research, and I, I definitely have confirmed over the last 13 or 14 years that I've been working in online education, is that sometimes that's true. Um, sometimes it's true that Online learning is significantly less educationally beneficial for a, a student. And sometimes it's absolutely exactly what they need. And when I did my research, the, the deciding variable or factor that most contributed one way or the other was how involved and how connected students are with their teachers. Um, online programs that don't really have a lot of connection between teachers and students and just sort of are kind of independent study focused, seem to seem to be follow the follow that pattern of not uh, being a, I, I would describe as a less educational experience for students and ones that really do emphasize connecting students and teachers and having a relationship where there's guided instruction as a part of students learning online, then those tend to be really good and equivalent, if not better, experiences for students educationally. And so when I then transitioned over to working in an online school, one of the things that I tried to remember and, and maintain and pay attention to was how much do we build in connections and how much are we making sure that uh, and our teachers are fully accessible to our students and that there's an emphasis on making sure that students are supported in their learning um, through even though it's online. And so it's finding the right connection where we give students flexibility, we give students choices, we give students, you know, Laura talked a little bit earlier about how students sometimes just need that extra um, opportunity or flexibility or, or different way to access their courses. And that's definitely what we're trying to provide. But we don't want to forget that um, students, in particular middle and high school students, are not ready almost always, they're almost, they're not ready to teach themselves. Um, and so that's why we all have a role. That's how, why we all have jobs. That's why we create the positions we have and put people in the positions they're in 
is to make sure that we're doing everything we can to support those students when they're working their way through their classes and learning. And so <clears throat> the, more we, the more we develop our program over the course of the last, I would say, decade, is really just trying to build more and more layers on how we support students, how we offer supports, how we make sure that we're monitoring and giving feedback to parents and students and families, et cetera, so that we never feel like we're not giving them what they need. Um, and of course, there's a, not everybody, we don't have 100% success in our, in our courses, for sure. Um, and we definitely have to have times when we, when we learn from mistakes that we make, but we, we always try to incorporate um, improvement and better, better processes as we, as we move forward. Every year, I feel like we get a little closer to that end goal of making sure that every student has the support they need. So I think that's, um, I'm always constantly challenged, I think, in the role that I'm in. I always, always feel like I'm, I'm getting um, an opportunity to really um, improve myself and, and help others improve and help our students improve, our staff, et cetera. Um, so that's, that's, that's one thing that I really like about my role, and I think others as well and that work in our school, is there's definitely a mindset of making sure that we're always asking ourselves what more can we do and, and are we doing everything, and if not, how can we, how can we do a little better next time we do it? So I think that's, that's what I see. I think that, you know, the feedback we get from our students and our families, um, you know, a lot of our students, especially now, I mean, over the last three or four years, there's been a lot of changes in people's exposure to online learning, um, particularly in a K through 12. Um, almost every student has some exposure now and they have a frame of reference. I, I think there was a time when most of our students that started our school, this is their first, that was their first time ever having done anything online or online learning. So a lot of those students were, didn't really have any co context uh, for, for what is this good or not. Um, but now I think, you know, a lot of the feedback we get is that, um, and, and you know, that, that we really tried to look for and find and make sure is that we're providing, um, you know, an experience that, that, better suits their needs than what they've gotten at their previous thing. And it's, again, it's not, it's not necessarily because we're doing that we're better. We're just, we just want to make sure that's a point of emphasis for our, our, our school and our program. Yeah. I think, you know, your point about, again, we're, we're always trying to sort of ask like, how can we um, better meet the needs of our, of our kids and, you know, t talking to, to the point that, that now kids, because of, um, of the pandemic have experienced a lot of, of variations of what online learning looks like. Um, could you talk a little bit about just sort of why is Minnesota virtual um, unique when, especially in the land of a billion online programs that that have um, sort of come out of the pandemic. Some have fizzled away, <laughs> but some are still around. Right. Um, and so I think there is something to be said for, an online program that has been around for 20 years, that this isn't our first shot at it. Um, we've learned a lot along the way about how to provide that support and specifically about that connection that you talk about. Um, Cause I think that that is um, a point of emphasis in all of our programs, right? Is that it's the connection that young people have with the adults um, that they are, are, are trying to learn with and around <laughs> all the time uh, that really sort of makes or breaks what a kid's experience is at school, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the one of the important parts, and we're not the only ones, but I do think that there's a there's a definitely subgroup of online programs that are really focused 
and try to build programming around the idea of putting enough resources into the program to meet the needs of students and not, I, I think one of the mistakes or one of the challenges that a lot of online learning, and you know, as I said before, there's, there's kind of two ki kinds of programs. There's online programs that are really designed as sort of independent study and just kind of here's your classes, we'll see it in the semester uh, kind of programs. And then there's others that kind of try to be more representative of a comprehensive experience for students. And I think the programs that really look at this as a school, like a full service school, a comprehensive approach to, to learning, are gonna are gonna do a better job of meeting those needs of those students because they're just it, it, it's not it's not an opportunity to be more efficient. Um, efficiency is, in my opinion, <laughs> something it's it's a it's a slippery slope when it comes in in, the, in online learning. I think because it it's very easy to be. A, incredibly efficient totally with resources and time and energy and, and effort put into the programs there's definitely um curriculum providers and others that out there and educational management organizations that will sell schools on a sort of turnkey solution saying hey you know you don't have to do anything we'll, we'll do everything we'll take it from here you just have to sort of sign that sign the deadline and and we'll and we'll do we'll do everything for you and i think that's appealing because i think it's very difficult to create online programming. It's very difficult to um, do a do a good job with um, really building out an entire system that's going to function mm -hmm. um, and and help kids learn when they're when it's completely remote and online. That, right. That's just really hard to do. Mm -hmm. And and you know the more you can sort of have this sort of strong foundation, I think that's appealing for 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 schools and systems. Um, and I think. One of the, I, but I think one of the the benefits of being a charter and by being this sort of, you know, I think charters are often referred to and looked upon as sort of educational laboratories, and that we can sort of try stuff <laughs> that's that's non traditional and unconventional, um, because we're supposed to we're supposed to try to innovate, we're supposed to try to do things differently and and try to solve some of the problems that are endemic in in, tr in traditional learning uh, or public public school systems, and that that gives us this sort of freedom to experiment a little bit uh, and take some chances and, and not necessarily chances with students, but just programmatically uh, and, and financially, et cetera. And so, and just how we staff and how we sort of allocate those resources. So I think if, you know, the, the approach that we take is we try to look at um, building systems around student needs rather than building a system and then the students have to match their needs with what we offer. Um, and I think the more we, Remember that that's the purpose for what we're doing is is about students and whether or not it's working with students and it's pr promoting success. Mm -hmm. Then I think we then we have that the mindset that's going to lead us to um, meeting needs of students rather than just creating programming and then telling students, well, this is what we offer, so that you know, hopefully, it works for you. So I think th that's for me. I think that's one of the things that makes schools like ours different is the idea that. It's really it's a student-centered approach to online learning. It's just a really, strangely enough, does, isn't isn't as common as you think it might be. Yeah. And I think a lot of the young people who come to Minnesota Virtual, and correct me if I'm wrong, but are kids that haven't necessarily always been seen or, again, or, or struggling to find their, their, their place in their space in traditional schools <coughs> or traditional... Um, 
time frames of like when schools, you know, start and, and stop. Um, but also the treatment of a lot of young people, right, in, in schools and social, you know, the, the social dynamics. Um, I know that we we have young people who've experienced um, bullying, lots of different social anxieties. There's a lot of different reasons why young people are going to choose online programs to to be connected. Um, and I think that also then highlights the potential risk for an online program that isn't thinking about that point of connection and really being able to wrap around young people and understand what are your needs, um, who are you, and who do you want to be, and how do we really support you um, in becoming that here when you have the barriers of they're not in front of you every day, right? And I think especially, um, you know, in talking to some of our social workers, that sort of point of context, being able to see young people kind of every day and get a sense of like, oh, that, that kid looks a little off today. I'm going to check in with them. You know, you have some additional barriers to that, but I think you also have some intentional ways in which you're doing that. Um, is there anything that you wanted to kind of add or share, Lorelei, when you think about things as a, a student support specialist and what people are coming with? Yeah. So especially when you touched on, there are some barriers. However, um, it's almost sometimes the exact opposite because when you talk to students, um, but I almost feel like it's a really unique um, entrance into getting to know them and helping them in, in what, with what they need. Um, I really look forward to it, actually. I love, I love getting to know one-on-one with students. You know, just a quick check-in, just someone letting them know, like, hey, I'm watching and I'm, you know, I'm looking at your, um, your progression and you're doing great or, or is there something I can help you with? And then we get deeper. But um, that's one of the things that I absolutely love with the being a support specialist is getting to know them, having, you know, a conversation. It doesn't always have to be about school. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a barrel racer. <laughs> um, she's amazing. She's awesome. And we, and we loved <laughs> At first I was like, I don't know what barrel, that is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A barrel, yeah, a barrel racer. racer like um, racing barrels? Yeah. Oh, I, okay. I, I ride horses. Um, yeah. Bill, on the other hand, hates horses. Okay. Can't stand them. Can't <laughs> I told I don't him think that I've ever I, been in the presence of a horse hater before, but all right. I was really excited. Uh, off off subject, I was really excited. We were all kind of in a group at school, and he's you know Bill's like, hey, we you know we should do a a staff um, introduction, just really get to know each other, and just name a few things that you really like. And I was like, I love riding my horse. I love showing my horses. And he looked at me and he was like, yeah, no, <laughs> no, no. And I was like, Bill, y- you have like some serious feelings about this. He's yeah. just, he Do was like, no. horse trauma? I grew up on a farm. I took care of horses. It was my grandpa's farm and I, we lived next door. So that turned into, I was the worker on the ah, farm. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they're not that interesting of anything. <laughs> <laughs> don't, 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 uh, don't have any interest at all in horses. Or- uh, one thing I did want to add a little bit to that, that last question. Um, and I think one of the, one of the interesting things about this sort of, there's a, there's a barrier towards, uh, how normally we would have interactions with, with students and teachers or staff and teachers. And a lot of times how you would, um, sort of go about that, that thing. And, I think there's this perception that it's harder, it, particularly for students, like they're just going to be lost or they're going to be really uncomfortable with sharing. And I think that is a mindset of people that are not of the current generation of students. Mm-hmm. I think that mm-hmm. students in 2023 are very comfortable 
communicating with people not in person. Yeah. Uh, there, I think they're very, um, that's not a barrier for them to have very meaningful and deep relationships with people that they don't have any physical space connection with, mm-hmm. uh, that they never really are in person with. But there's also a challenge there, and I think it's the reality of a lot of things in our society right now, is that you have to be aware of and beware of curated um, content that people put out there um, mm-hmm. that sort of mischaracterize what they're truly um, like or what they're truly experiencing or struggling with mm-hmm. is I think that people, t- there's a tendency, I think, for a lot of time, especially young people, to sort of put out in their best show as yeah. to say, like, hey, look, my life is amazing and awesome and look, you know, everything is just super curated and social media or profiles and web pages and things like that. And then, you know, when you go to the layer below that, you start to find that there's a whole lot that isn't great, but mm-hmm. they just not necessarily putting that out there right. for, for obvious reasons. And so I think there's definitely efforts to try to get past this sort of uh, superficial kind of everything's cool, everything's fine. And, and you know, I, I don't want to share anything stage with students and get to that point where they're, they're going to open up on on the stuff that they wouldn't necessarily put out there for strangers or, yeah. or this public. So Right. Yeah, I think that's a really good point to make and, and you know, similar to kind of what you were saying, Lorelai, in terms of, you know, it it does, it, it's not harder, it's just different, right? And that it does provide a different opportunity to connect with young people when they feel freer to be themselves because they aren't worried about the social implications or um, the assumptions that the people that are there around or their teachers, right? Like there's so much, especially for young people in middle school, high school, that's so much of what they're thinking about and consumed about is what does everybody think about me, right? Like I understand myself based on how I think other people think of me, (laughs) right? So um, I think, again, this online opportunity does give you a unique way for them to, to, to go a little bit deeper, right? To sort of um, <clears throat> see themselves and to, to view themselves in different ways as well as, you know, being able to be vulnerable in a different, in a different way that you don't get to do when you're in the hustle bustle necessarily of a brick and mortar school, but when you have a little bit more peace and quiet, maybe from where you are or where you're sitting, um, and interacting with someone. I mean, you have all of these different modes of being able to communicate with young people that I think sometimes when you're in a brick and mortar setting, you, feel a little bit more restricted, right? Like I can't necessarily be texting or or having phone conversations all the time and and what that is, but that becomes a really normalized way to communicate with young people and is a a way of communication that they're way more familiar with and comfortable with, right? Um, So again, just like another point of entrance of being able to access someone um, to be able to support them in their learning journey. Mm -hmm. Well, I think that's one of the things that makes online learning different for uh, for students than it, than maybe traditional learning is there's just so much more time in the day yeah. uh, for those interactions. I mean, mm-hmm. when I was teaching classes, I mean, I think you would think you're really investing a lot in a student's relationship if you talk to them for five minutes, right. you know, <laughs> kind of between classes, you got five minutes. Yep. Let me, let me talk you through, or maybe as you're circling around the class and you're teaching, you might stop at a student's desk and talk through something they're struggling with for a few minutes, but it's incredibly common for, students to interact with and get 30 minutes one-on-one with the staff member at virtual to, to talk through a couple assignments or to just talk about a check-in or, or to see what their plans are for the week and make sure they've got a good schedule to get mm-hmm. 
to stay on track or get caught up or whatever. So I think those interactions um, do tend to, to really kind of cement in those stronger relationships that otherwise would be pretty casual because you're just, you know, it's really, you know, one minute here, two minutes there, whatever that is typically what you would. And it's actually one of the kind of awkwardness of, of starting an online school like ours is almost always students say, I don't want to bother anybody. Like nobody <laughs> wants, you know, I, I, I need way more help than you can give me. I'm like, well, try, right. Yeah, Let's right. see. We Let's are see. literally here for that. Yes. And you know, that's what teachers, I mean, they got a whole wide open calendar. So pick a, pick a spot, sign up for a time, get 30 minutes and you'll see how much um, way more progress than you get by trying to struggle through something or whatever. So yep. I think getting the students to the point where they're comfortable with that, like Laura said, it's, it's a progression a lot of times mm-hmm. where students don't do it, but then when they do it once, they get more comfortable with it and it becomes more regular. Yeah. Um, anything that you would particularly say to a student or family that is really struggling right now with traditional brick and mortar schools? Um, anything that maybe we haven't highlighted or... Yeah, I mean, I do, I do, one of the things that's, another thing that's different about us, I think, than, than others, and I think it's just because we kind of started out very, started from scratch and, and kind of worked from there, was the idea that, that I mean, my work phone, which is also my personal phone, um, is the phone number that's on the MDE website for the, if you want to find out information about our school. So mm-hmm. you you don't need to go through a lot of layers. You can talk to me anytime you want. Um and, one, and people do. They, they call me uh, fairly regularly and say, tell me about the school. And I'm calling a bunch of different schools. I want to find out information. And so, wh- you know, one of the, the advice I, I try to give people is, you know, high school is really hard um, for, for some kids. And, you know, oftentimes struggling means different things to different people. And, mm-hmm. but, but changing high schools and particularly changing in kind of midstream is is it's very difficult to stay on track to graduate on time mm-hmm. if you're switching. And so I do try to give people advice, uh, the best advice I can, that sometimes the best thing to do is maybe try an online class, but not completely, mm-hmm. you know? So that's one of the things why our part-time program makes a lot of sense. You can essentially shares a student between a, tra- a traditional school and an online school. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's a, that's a good sort of dip your toe in the water uh, feeling. Uh, for for families if they're not really sure and now the other, now the other benefit of that is you still get to be connected to your school with things like prom and sports and graduation activities and you still have connection with your friends and, and peer groups etc so there's you don't have to choose between those if you need a flexible schedule but still want to keep those connections part-time is oftentimes a, a good choice um the so that's that's some advice i give the other advice i give too is look if it's just a teacher that you hate and, and, you know, that's just like making your day miserable. Well, you know, if you've, you know, a lot of families like, look, we've tried working with this school and they're not helping us and et cetera. Then, then part-time is another good cho- choice too. If it's the math teacher, we offer math. So maybe <laughs> somebody switch the math, yeah. but keep everything else. You know, mm-hmm. you don't, you don't want to mess up your high school progression and all that just because there's a particular teacher that just is not, is not working in that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, but if, if it's a situation where it's just, unbearable and we definitely don't want students to feel like school is just the worst thing about their life and there for some kids that is definitely the truth then yeah they should they should they should try it um and we can you know call a couple different schools try to make sure you ask the questions that you want if if they're if they if you can't get a phone call or a response from those initial 
um, inquiries, then that's a sign. I think it, mm-hmm. then then you know that's something to that's a message there that you should you should think about and make sure that I think I mean I'm a parent um, and I would want my school my kids' school to be responsive when I have a problem and not necessarily say, look, you know, that's, that's not our problem, that kind of thing. And so if there's a school that's willing to meet with you and talk with you and, and walk you through the process, then I think that that's a, that's a good start. Yep. Um, but if, and again, sometimes the best advice that I try to give people or parents and, and students is, you know, if, if there's some way to, to salvage and make things work with your local school, switching isn't always the best choice, but sometimes mm-hmm. it is. And so really try to talk through that, consider that, and, and get some advice from people either at the prospective online schools or or maybe at your local school if there's counselors or whatever that, you know, make, make sure you ask. You know, that's people's job. That's that's what they do. That's their role. Is And I think most people that work in public education really do care about kids. They want to help them be successful. They want to make sure they have a chance to graduate. So um, use the resources that are available, and then if you want to talk to talk to somebody, um, I'm I'm always interested, and I want to help people um, find a good solution for what they're dealing with too. So, reach out to us, and 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 you know we'll, we'll do our best to give you some advice. Yeah, Bill Glenn's. You can find his li- his number yep. online. My number is <laughs> numbers on the website. Uh, my number is on the MD website. Five, five, I'm five, a contact guy. <laughs> For sure. I mean, again, it's it's been that way since the start, and, and that number I could never Brave. change it because it's, it's no, I'm, I'm happy. Yeah, it is, I suppose. But I could tell you in in 13 years at Virtual, um, and I've had the same number even before that. I've never once had a regret of giving out that number to any student or parent. That's Thank par- goodness students for or that. parents. I've never, you know, maybe yeah. I'm just lucky or whatever, but I've never had anybody um, abuse that. I think people are generally really happy to be able to to talk to a school administrator and and find out some information so um yeah i think that responsiveness and availability is really important and i would say that that's that's true for all of our programs i think that that's something that if you really want to talk to anybody give them a call and and not only that but i mean in in many ways i'm the decision maker on a lot of this stuff too and Mm -hmm. so there again if you're having a problem or you know if a student or parent in our school has something that this isn't working you don't have to like talk to a committee that is meeting yes. next month and you know, <laughs> right. that, you know, who knows, we'll mm-hmm. maybe put you on the agenda for mm-hmm. a lot of uh, almost all these, we created a system that should be re- able to be really responsive mm-hmm. and we don't have a sort of super hierarchy that, that has to sort of, this sort of kind of filters everything through in yeah. order to get issues resolved. If there's an issue resolved, generally it's, me and a, whoever else I need to bring in to, to try to talk through and resolve those issues. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, I literally do it every day. Did, did it this morning, yeah. <laughs> the, the, you know, working through a couple of things yeah. that came across the plate today. And, you know, mm-hmm. you just sort of get a couple of people in a room and come up with something and, and work with the family to try to figure it out. So I think that's, yeah. that's definitely our goal. And that's a point of emphasis for our school is to make sure we are responsive when we need it. Mm-hmm. You guys are great. Thank you. Appreciate it. For all of you listening, I just I appreciate you tuning in and for your willingness to listen for understanding. That's what it's all about. So stay curious, ask more questions, and until next time, this is your host, Wendy Lorenz-Wallerman.